0: This is Freestyle Club with your hosts, the unknown admin, Raphael Reyes, and CPR Jose Ortiz. Warning. 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 The Freestyle Club contains a dull language. It is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Freestyle Club My name is CPR Jose Ortiz and I'm being joined by the unknown admin, Rafael Reyes What's good, you bastards? Also joining us this week, the guy who promotes more in his sleep than many freestyle artists do in a year Please welcome
1: Alex Zuniga, Latin Nation What up, what up, Freestyle Club, finally I guess you're a fan (laughs) I'm a big fan, really am
0: Subscribe to the Freestyle Club podcast, theunknownadmin.com, and cprsmusic.com. How long has your career been in our music freestyle? I remember going to a Connecticut concert, Hartford, Connecticut, downtown, and La Nation was there. It was you and your brothers. Uh, Tell us a little bit about you and your brothers together as La Nation.
1: As La Nation, we started off in um, 95. That's when our official La Nation name came through. Um, When through a gentleman called swan that introduced me to latif we signed up to stanley free records Remixed my 93 song nunca into a bilingual song and then it was released in 96 and the show that you're talking about is actually the asylum in Hartford, connecticut
0: isn't it great how you remember every single concert that you ever did because it means that much to you it was so packed and you three were on stage and people were going crazy for you three.
1: And the crazy part of that is that I remember vividly, um, we we showed up uh, with point of view. I don't know if you remember point of view.
0: Absolutely. Don't and- don't hold down on me.
1: amazing people, special Peter. I was real cool with Peter. And uh, we showed up to the place. As a matter of fact, uh, Tara... We went into the place and all i hear is hip-hop hardcore hip-hop and i'm like we're in the right place and we're gonna be performing here and biggest pet peeve and the insane part of that was as we walked in and we're hearing hip-hop out of nowhere silent morning kicked on and the place went ballistic said, okay we're in the right place and then they took us to the back of to some stairs in the back way, God knows what dark room they put us in while we waited for us to go up there and to perform.
0: You guys really took off in Connecticut. It was a very highly requested song. I know that all the stations on that side of New England was playing La Nation, and they would actually bring you a lot to the area. I'm happy that you you got to experience that that boom that we had here, where you know people really supported each other and supported the shows, and you know we enjoyed ourselves, not like now.
1: It's a whole different era. I mean, going back to when I started 30 years ago till now, it's a whole different 360. I mean, it, we went backwards instead of forward. Um, I know what it was to work hard, uh, you know, auditioning for people because I I went on audition for Meg Mac. I auditioned for um, Metro. Um, we tried out to do our own thing. Unfortunately, you know, the manager that we had at the time did whatever he could do. I can't take nothing away from him. Tito was an amazing person. I mean, I got a lot of shows. All the shows that I did practically in the beginning of my stage were all colleges until, you know, we started doing The Tunnel, 1018, Emerald City, Foxes, Joey's, Twilight, you name it. I mean, we were everywhere opening up for every act. And that's why I was always humbled with, The people i dealt with was because i had a i had to work to prove myself to other people even if i didn't get the recognition i did what i had to do to prove my opportunity that was given to me how many doors did you get slammed in your face thousands plenty of doors being closed i i didn't have the right look we didn't have the right song you know the best clothing i didn't like the way this dancer danced and you know to be a little bit more clear Lewis was with me from the beginning from day one caesar didn't come in until years later because he was always the smallest one in the family he always wanted to be a part of it but he was so damn tiny i said you can't even go into a club and um it wasn't until high school years that he just sprouted out like a freaking beanstalk and it was actually the tallest one of the group <laughs> i
2: remember when i first heard of latin nation it was about i say about good 20 years ago and i think the boards just started popping up, uh, LatinFreestyle.com and Club Freestyle. They had just started popping up, I believe. And I wrote to to Alex... And I said, uh, can you send me some information? Because at the time I was working for an online record store and they were looking to push some freestyle because the owner loved freestyle and they couldn't find any. This is before the Bad Boy Joel CDs came out and Alex had sent them this press package. It was color cover. It was pressed on some fancy paper. I don't know if it was resume paper. I can't remember what it was, but it was some fancy paper and a CD in it with like about 20 songs on it. I must have wrote to at least 20 artists and he was the only one that sent out this press packet, which tells you the kind." of hustle that he's had from the very beginning compared to everybody else
0: here we are in 2018 and he's still the biggest hustler in all of freestyle and now he's more more visual more vivid more in your face and so people now at times they like to make side comments about alex and i know he's aware of them but it's funny because they don't realize that he's been hustling for all this time like since the mid 90s he's been hustling even probably before trying to get in the door in the freestyle uh, community and you've knocked down doors uh you've never let anyone stop you from doing what you wanted to do.
1: No, and that's, you know, that was always my thing. I mean, if you wanted to be somebody, you had to be somebody, you know, by proving yourself, not by waiting for somebody to hand you something. And as a matter of fact, everybody doesn't know about this, and maybe you guys don't know. My very first producer, besides Cookie, because Cookie was the very first producer, but I never got the chance to do the recording with him. But my very first producer was Mate. Mate was the same producer that produced TK's Forever album. Mate is now blown up doing Romeo Santo, Daddy Yankee, and all these big people. He was just a local DJ here in Patterson. That's how far back we go. Even with him, I remember him, you know, our, our first performance at Montclair State. It's a university, but back then it was just a college. It was so hard to just go in through that door on my very first performance and but it, the hustle's always been the same you gotta practice you gotta look good you have to you know record make sure that your image is perfect you have the right promo pictures not just freaking you know fax paper
0: back in the day it was kinkos <laughs> they had the kinkos yeah. black and white you had yeah. to go get a great sharpie because that was the only thing that could write on that paper
1: yeah and and, and i always i always had that thing that you know if you wanted to look good, you had to good. You had to pay the expensive. And trust me, it's been times that I ain't had the money to get, you know, to for investments. But I did what I had to do to make myself look good. I refused to go on stage and just stand still look like, you know, I'm here. You know, I would do whatever doofy steps I'm going to be doing, but I'm going to be dancing. I'm going to put up a show. And, and that's how it's been since day one. And... It, it, it baffles me when I see young artists starting and they just dare, you know, I'm here. I'm, you know, you came to see me and I'm just going to sing. I'm like, okay, you may have the best vocalist in the world, but if you're just standing stiff on stage, you're not impressive. You're not a performer.
0: Not only that, but, uh, when, when you see a, a new artist, as soon as their song is released, one, they expect it to be number one, and two, they expect to get paid for their shows. And they're not proven in any way, shape, or form, but they're already expecting that check. It's pretty disheartening and ridiculous at the same time because I know what a real hustling recording artist does. They travel, they come from New Jersey or New York or wherever, and they go directly to the radio station. You, for example, you've taken me on many of the opportunities that I've given you. I can recall one of the Puerto Rican festivals where we were booked and we were booked solid that year. And I said, Well, if you and Ricky Vaz want to do a show together on stage, I'll give you 10 minutes. And you guys can go up there and split the time. And instead of you saying, that's beneath me, no way. Or some of the things that I've heard throughout the years, you were like, okay. And you guys came and you opened up the show together. And you did a show together in front of 10,000 people. Let me give you another time.
1: Back late 90s, uh, summer of 97, if not 98, my first time performing in Springfield. And I got to give it because it was because of Porky. I went out there and only did Nunca. So I drove... All the way over there, I only had my six minutes to go on stage, perform, get out, get in my car, and drive back. I went with Xavier, I went with Taz, Vinny. We just got in the car, drove there, performed, and left the same freaking day. I didn't even sign autograph or nothing. (laughs)
0: That did open up doors for you to come back. You earned your spot. And again, uh, there's no one that has given you a harder time on the radio than me. I know that for a fact because uh, we've gone back and forth for many years. But the one thing that you've earned from me is my ear, my respect, and you've also earned your spot on my countdown when Charisma was released.
1: You mean so much to me. You give me strength to the on. You're my little- charisma was released right after my brother lewis passed away because i didn't want to record it without him and i will never forget him telling me in the hospital bed that oh don't record a song without me and that was in a um, end ending of march he then passed away on april 11 i went and recorded it on, on i think it was june when i had finally the courage to go and record a song of what year so it was of uh 2000.
0: You were coming to Massachusetts from 1996, 97, 98, 99 and it was in 2000 that you were on the countdown with Charisma at number 1, which was your second number 1 song cuz MTV Vida was number 1 as well.
1: I had a lot of opportunities and and that's why you know I understand people getting aggravated with with how you deal with situations with you because how you hard on people. But nobody realized, not everybody's going to be your man, not everybody's going to like everything you do. You just have to accept that. You know, if somebody doesn't like it, then they don't like it. You just move on. You just push it on to everybody else. Once you're done, then you could go ahead and, you know, present a new material, and hopefully that'll pick up in the air. And that happened to us. You know, you, out of all my songs, and I have plenty, <laughs> you only debuted it from my first album two songs. Two songs, because you didn't, you know, you played nuke actually Jesus, and Louie, other ones that play nunca and you know but again i didn't get mad i didn't get upset you know i understood the business i knew what it was to take it was the same thing back then i didn't have people playing my music on, on hot 97 or hot 103 or q102 b96 you know it took me a while to get the those opportunities given you know to be provided to me i took advantage of those opportunities but it was hard work. It wasn't easy. So I learned that fighting somebody is not going to get me anywhere. It's only going to make me get more doors closed than open. So, you know, like they say, you know, with, with honey, you bring bees, with vinegars, you don't. So
2: you started doing compilations. What, what made you start doing that? And I find that kind of interesting in this look at me, look at me, uh, freestyle type of world. It's all about me. You went ahead and started doing compilations. Why share that spotlight?
1: So in regards to the compilation, I was trying to do a compilation since after my brothers passed away, 2004. So the original was Victor Vega, Cherie, Josie, who was actually on on my first compilation, Caramelo, Ricky Vaz, and I can't remember who else were involved with me. This was an idea that I had in my living room, and they all came to my house. We all discussed this, but it never panned out because everybody wanted to do their own thing, their own ways, and you know. Just like everybody else, you know, it just doesn't work. Years later, the Freestyle Coalition Volume 1, which Joey T put out and, and Ricky, they invited me to be a part of it. As I became a part of it, as soon as they provided me the, the cover, I said to them, you know, I think you should redo the cover. Just because it the cover was nice, but not, oh my God, this is hot, kind of nice. You know, it was like, it's okay. It looked like a drawing. It was redone because of my, you know, my thoughts on it, and you all got, you know, everybody got to see Volume One how the cover looked. When it came to Volume Two, they also had a different idea for that. They gave me more input for me to provide. The only thing I didn't like it was that a lot of it was, um, I'm gonna hook my friend up to be part of this compilation because I owe. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't a fan of that. I, you know, like nobody worked hard on the compilation. It was just basically a lot of songs being put in. So, you know, the downfall of that CPR, because we had a conversation behind the scene. And then, of course, things went south from there on. So they were going to work on volume three, which ended up my volume one.
0: Well, they also called themselves outcasts and misfits and the artists that nobody wanted. And that's how they presented themselves. Like uh, they were like uh, these uh, these rebels that are going against the grain and. You know, in my opinion it wasn't that that wasn't the case. The case was it was the opposite, you know. It was just lazy, uninspired writing with bad production, you know, and bad vocals where nobody wanted to put in the work and they just wanted to put whatever they wanted out and just like you said, hook up their friends and call it a compilation.
1: And and that was my thing. I didn't want to repeat those mistakes. I didn't I didn't want to do that. I always said that if I wanted to put something out, I wanted it to be as clever as good as powerful as i could so we started working on volume three things went different ways that i was investing a lot of time a lot of money into it that at the end of the day joey t fell off and ricky said alex I think you should handle this. I said, well, if I'm going to handle it, it's not going to be Volume 3, and it's going to be my project. And that's how it turned out to be Volume 1. I ended up calling a few people. Eric Cruz introduced me to Susan Santiago, which I was a fan of, and introduced me to Shirley V. And I heard her singing. So I said, you know what? I got some stuff. I wrote it. Listen to it. Let's work on this. She was hands down on it. And that's how Volume 1 came to be. A lot of the songs on Volume 1 I wrote um, and it was produced by different people. That's another thing I wanted to do. I wanted to have different producers because I wanted to show that we can work together. That was my whole idea between you know between all of my ideas of doing a compilation is that I want to be able to say I was able to work with all these individuals. Everybody was hands-on in it, and it worked, and it worked. I was able to sell 1,100 copies of Volume 1, and that was only on CDs. That wasn't even digital. It was all CDs. So anybody wants to talk about putting in the work, well, then you put in the work by putting in the work, not your mouth.
0: Let me ask you something about the compilations. <clears throat> Were the artists mandated to sell the compilations?
1: Nobody was mandated to do anything. My deal with them was, you introduce me to your fans, I introduce you to my fans. You buy whatever CDs you want at certain costs. Whatever you sell, that's your money. That was my way of me paying them. You sold. Let's just say, if you bought ten CDs and you sold those ten CDs, whatever you made off that CD is your money. You just got paid. Because in reality, when it comes to compilations, I mean, I'm talking about before I even did it, nobody got paid off of it. I'm still waiting for royalty checks, and I still haven't got them from Germany. I still haven't got them. So it's you know it's things like that that always bother me. So I I figured that my way of paying them, since I can't really take out of a checkbook and say, you know, here's $1,000, here's $10,000, here's 25000 I say, you know, buy this amount, um, buy whatever amount you want at this price, I'm selling it at this price, you sell it, at, that's one thing, we all had to sell it at exactly the same price because I didn't want nobody undercutting anybody, that was the only stipulation I had, Let's just say you, Ralph, and I agree on um, promoting the CD, but then Ralph go ahead and sells it for, I'm just going to say $10, and you sell it for 12 and I'm selling it for 15 Now you're cutting me out of it. Ralph is taking a bigger uh, win because he's now selling it for 10 Oh, well, I'm going to buy it from you when I'm buying it from Ralph for 10 bucks. So you're undercut everybody else. But,
0: you know, the lesson here is that Before, artists were putting out their songs on compilations that they were never getting paid on or getting any royalties. You give an opportunity where they can be featured on a compilation. The investment would be that uh, you're going to probably front all the money and pay the producers and get everything taken care of. And in the end, the way that they would get paid is that you would give them compilations at a set price and they can sell them for whatever they want. And they were still complaining, right?
1: Well, not at first. I didn't, I didn't hear about any complaints until way years later. i tell years. you that with volume one, everybody did very well. Javon did very well, Pure Trend. Now, mind you, whatever the artists did with their CDs, that was on them. So if they gave it away, that's on them. That's not on me. My job is to make sure you get paid. So I'm hoping that you will sell the CD so you could get your money back for you know wasting your time with gas coming to the studio to record. Because everybody, that's another thing. Everybody had to go to Hardy. because I had my, my mind set at a certain sound of mixing and mastering and whatnot. But whatever we did, we did it together. That was my thing. We have to do it together. We have to be in agreement together. So I made sure pictures were taken. I paid for those pictures. Um, as a matter of fact, for Volume 1, uh, there's a group picture that we took. Not all the artists made it, and I booked that day for those pictures, and not everybody made it. So that's why you see certain pictures look certain quality and others not looking at certain quality. It's because of that reason. I did the same thing with Volume Two and the Volume Three. I paid for the studio productions. Eighty percent of all productions were paid by me.
0: Right. So then, because they don't have the foresight to pay for their own stuff and promote their own stuff, and, you know, and this is the example that I give. There was a long period of time where artists would sit on their ass and they would wait for Willie Valentine to to put out a compilation, a Freestyle Mania, Freestyle Parade, and they would wait until he would release these compilations so they can go into the studio, not pay for the time get a song produced and then they would just sit let willie do all the work and then they will be asking for money which is the same thing that you went through because you gave opportunity for them to sell their own uh cds but they don't want to because they thought that you should be giving them a cut of whatever you were selling
1: yeah and and that that can't be i mean (laughs) not for anybody. that's for, for any label i mean i understood the business and the only difference is that i was granting opportunities for anything and i love my the team that i work with i never had a problem with any of them if they had a problem with me it never came to my face to to express their feelings i was always an open book to all of them and i have made sure that i was an open book they had my phone number they had my email they had my contacts they knew how to reach me there was i never hid from anybody I got books to prove what was sold. I have proof what is being sold in digital. And even on digital, not everybody did the money that they should be getting. Because in digital, and this is what people don't understand, just because you're putting a compilation on a digital format, doesn't mean that your song is being bought unless they buy the whole album your song is not being sold so and i'm proof of that because i had my song on the compilation and yes i was able to sell some units in in the digital world in volume one the one that outsold everybody was david LaBoy. And Susan Santiago. I'm craving you tonight for the sound of the love we make. One more time.
0: I'm losing control.
1: So you know, and but I have that. You know, if anybody wanted to come up to me and tell me I want to see what we did, I have no problem and open it up and go, look, this is what you actually did. And that's another thing. When you go streaming, unless you're doing millions of streams, you only only see 0.0002.5% of a penny. Of a penny.
0: And they're listening to this podcast and they're like, So
2: you're telling me there's a chance?
0: Yeah!
2: I said, that's almost the same as the royalty rate. The royalty rate back when we had Freestyle.fm was 0. 0.000248 of a penny per listener because i remember uh, i had an actual uh producer contact me yeah. and say hey uh when do i get my royalties check and i'm like what are you talking about and he goes well i i requested my song and i want to know when i get the royalties for that i said sure let me check so i checked and uh i said okay uh you, you've requested that song at two o'clock in the morning with uh about i think we had a hundred listeners so you're entitled to i think uh 20 cents how will you like it <laughs> And that was the last time I heard from that producer Asked for royalties again.
0: Do you think, Alex, that we we eat our own? Like, you come into a situation with good intentions, and then little by little, we implode. Even within teams, even within groups, even within compilations, everybody implodes somehow. You know, Uh, or they have this um, me against everybody on the compilation.
1: It's weird, and it's weird because you do things with with good intention, with a good heart, especially me. Um, Anybody who really knows me, I'm the person that, that, you know, look out for whatever is best for somebody else instead of me. I put my album, my second album, on hold for two compilations. I promoted every single one of those individuals over me. It was never about me. I never made it about me. And the reason I never made it about me is because I had a brand that I wanted to produce, that I wanted to promote, that I wanted to give an audience that was looking for music, that wanted new music. And here I have a whole bunch of talented artists that I consider friends, that I consider, you know, family in some cases, because some of them are like family to me. And when you do that, you have no ill feeling about situations so when i heard you know people doing things behind my back it irritated me and it hurt because that wasn't my intent in the beginning when i requested certain people to be a part of something it was because i i believed in them and believe in what we can do and that was my whole thing from the beginning is that i believe in the individual to be a part of the compilation
2: how long did you wait from the first album dropped to you releasing the second album because it was some time there.
1: Volume one dropped in, in November of 2014. It took me two years to even get volume one because of me trying to get the right artists and try to get the right productions. And you know, thanks to people like Fred Nice, Sasan, Artie, Jay Allums, you know, we can we came up with amazing productions. And, and, and I know I'm missing producers and I don't mean to disrespect any of them. You know, we came up with different productions and, and arrangements that, that made it pop. What made Volume 1 successful was the togetherness that we had in the ori- original round. When it came to Volume 2, it just became a little bit more simpler, a little harder because you gotta top the first one, but it was a little bit simpler because I knew the, the route to go. And of course, having Artie as a partner not only as a big brother, he's looking out for what I need. He hears me out. He understands me. So every time I, how about this person? Mm, no, I, I I don't think so. So that's how we went with that direction. It actually took me a year later to do Volume 2.
0: For Volume 3, you guys went for the fences. You had a two CD compilation. What the heck? Volume 3 wasn't supposed to be a double C.
1: So let's, let's, let me clear that one out. Volume 3 was supposed to be all duets. I wanted to be the first one to do something totally different and just put out a CD of just duets. The issue came because of Rolando and Reynaldo. Rolando had the promise. Be. You the world, you me, I promise I- that I freaking fell in love with. And then Reynaldo also had a hot song called It's a Sin. I couldn't put them as a duet. I needed to put them in the group on that CD for that reason. And then a few other artists also had problems and trying to come up with somebody to sing with and whatnot. So I yeah, said, so you know what, let's just Forget about the whole idea of releasing a duet. And whoever did a duet, we put out that. And whoever got singles, that we put out singles. I didn't have enough to put out a volume three. So it was actually going to be nine songs on volume three. But then out of the woodworks, everybody started throwing tracks at me. You know, Victoria had to, Marcos had to. Michelle. She had, you know, the song that originally was supposed to be on volume two, on volume three, and then her duet with Joelle. So, you know, I, it became a double CD. So that's why there's 10 songs on each CD because it was just became too big. And I didn't want to shelf it because I knew that if I shelf it and we did it, we top it, I was going to have to trash them and start, you know, with fresh new songs. So I said, you know what, let me just make it a double CD. And nobody has ever done this as a compilation in a minute. I mean, they released it as separate CDs, but never together. Because I know Willie Valentine did it with 2K1, and then Carlos Berrios did it with... Uh, Don't Look Back. So I said, let me just put it together and release it that way and, you know, throw a Hail Mary and see how it goes. And it actually did very well. I mean, we we been selling so far as a matter of fact i just sent two of them to brazil this morning
0: so basically they'll be on vinyl tomorrow is what you're saying <laughs> oh well
2: hope not but good luck with that um the name of the series because i don't think we even mentioned the name of the series is in a class of our own correct all right because i don't even think we mentioned that so you had one two and three how do you find so, three
1: projects uh-huh. like that i i hard work and i actually have a day job unlike everybody else. <laughs> Make friends, Alex. <laughs> I've been working a day job for almost 22 years, so I am blessed to have what I have. The name of the title that I came up with in the class around was I didn't want to sound like every freestyle CD that was out. I didn't want to sound full of myself, and but I also didn't want it to be stereotyped as everybody else. So I t- I pitched me and Artie pitched at each other a couple of new titles. And I had the idea of a class, like like a touch of class, uh, you know, uh, a unique style that not like everybody else, we're in our own world kind of feel. And so I told Artie, how about in a class of our own? Artie fell in love with it. I said, I think you should go with this. And that's where in a class of our own, it came up. So with volume two, I had a hard time because I'm like, what am I going to call volume two? So Artie goes, just keep in a class of our own. I said, yeah, but we got to, I don't want to say volume two. You know, like that's, to me, I felt tacky about it. So I called it Hidden Gems and V2 for volume two. And then with volume three, again, we went through the same routine. Artie and I pitch ideas and we ended up coming up with, um, he came up with the class menagerie. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So he goes, "Look it up." So of course, when I looked it up, it's a mix of animals other of the den. Dude, you're just calling us animals." Yeah, he goes, man. "No, no, no. But it's it's some it means something else." And then I read up on it and it was meaning, you know, mixture of different things. And I said, "You know what? This is the title." And that's how we came up with that name.
0: This compilation was the most promoted compilation the first half of the year. And I got so much backlash uh, because you were the only thing that was happening at that time. I just told people, you know, look at what he's doing and repeat it because you guys are sitting back. You're not putting out new music. He just put out 20 songs. Is it a good idea to put out 20 songs? Is it going to overlap with each other? Is it going to have some songs be promoted and some songs be lost in the shuffle? Probably. But look at all the promotion that he's doing and look at the success that he's having, because I know that you had success and you have some headaches, which we'll talk about shortly. But, you know, when people gave me a hard time and you know about this because we've talked about it, because you asked me, somebody actually said that? I said, Yeah, unfortunately, they did. They sat back and they did nothing, and you
1: were hustling. If I would do it again, I would not release a double CD because like you just said the overlapping there's there's a lot of great songs on the CD and you want to promote it all to this day you know i hit you up and i'm like hey when you're going to put you know these next four songs out and you told me hey you know i don't think we're going to be able to put anything for the rest of the year because there's so many new stuff and i'm like hey okay no problem
0: i still keep asking i'm glad that you you're able to be honest with the people listening to the podcast and to the freestyle club uh, because we do have conversations and i am honest with you and there is no favoritism is just it's true you know we have all these new songs the menagerie um came out uh, six seven months ago and now you have all these releases like carlos burials versus sammy zone ap3 you have lisette melendez diddle d and a bunch of others sharon masera put an album out and there's more stuff coming and you're like oh my god how do we promote these songs so yeah man it's been difficult and people have solo projects that they submit you got Stephanie Bennett hitting the promotions really hard right now. It's a good influx, but there's a lot of people getting lost in the shuffle because of certain things that I've stated previously where we just go through songs very fast. I like the a slow burn. I like that, you know, let's promote the songs and let's um, give it some time for it to catch on because it takes six months to a year for a song to actually catch on. And that was something that I talked about 10 years ago. So now it may take up to two years because of people's short attention span.
1: I caught that on your last pod in regards to that Um, and I I applauded you on that one because it is true we go through songs so freaking fast and try to to stay relevant for no damn reason you know you can stay relevant by promoting yourself there's no need for you to be harassing DJs to be playing your shit Um, you don't need to be questioning why certain songs are not being played I respect and support every single artist there is out there. I don't care who it is. If I like your song, I'm gonna be playing it in my car. And I don't understand why they have to dog me <laughs> when I am the one supporting you. And especially if I'm hugging you and you know, shaking your hand on on the back scenes, and then you're gonna go behind my back and trash me. I'm like, you know, like, what did I do to you? You know, like I don't I don't hang out with you, I don't see you often for you to even you know, feel some ill way with me, but that's not here or there. I don't, you know, whatever feelings they have is theirs. I know what I truly feel. And um, like you, like I said before, I applaud you. We forgot what it was to have a song be played on the radio. Back in when I started and I big thanks to Bill Ricketts. And if nobody knows who Bill Ricketts is, look it up. He was a big time record pool producer out here in, in Jersey and all around. And you don't know how many times he turned me down to promote my stuff to, to radio stations because of that reason, you know, I wasn't ready enough for the media and, but he gave me a lot of opportunities. He's the one that got me opportunities to go and perform at 1018s and at, at uh, the tunnel in New York or Emerald city. You know, he's the one that gave me the chance, for me to be me and and promote myself. So when you tell me, oh, he's not giving me a chance, do you not ask yourself why, you know, he's not giving me a chance? What do I need to better myself? What do I need to do different so I can apply it for my next project? That's the way I always view everything that I did. Yeah, you know, like anybody. It's like a kid. You take away their toy, they get upset. Um, You know, a few minutes later, they're going to forget about it and come back And play with something else. That's how you take music. You know, I gave it to you, you took it away from me, you didn't like it. Oh, now I'm upset. Okay, let me take a a breather and see why. And then fix it for the next one. And hopefully the next one will get picked up, or maybe the third one, or the fourth one, or the fifth one. For me, I'm a big believer
0: that the song that you have previously on the radio, uh, the the new one should be better or as good as the one that you had previously. And that's why that's where people don't don't measure up. They put out a song, and then the next song it's not as good as the song previously. You've had better than me. Yeah, I turn this oh baby I wish I could turn it Everything
1: Let me take you there Let me take you- Let me-
0: Those are excellent songs. So that's what I expect from you from now on all the time. And if I don't get those, if I don't hear that, from you then i'm gonna pass on, on the songs that that you do put out and that goes for anyone that's been the situation with angel mena i told him the same thing and i told him this as my he's one of my closest friends i told this to him 25 years ago and it's always been that way i have a spindle of cd demos from angel mena before he became nsr and i rejected them all and he used to hate my guts he's he, we used to get into threatening i was like it's, i'm only 40 minutes away i'm on my way over there i'm gonna fuck you up you know <laughs> those type of shit you know but i was like no man like your you're Angel Mena, and these are the songs that you put out. So you put out something as hot as that, or don't put out anything at all. It's a way for me to protect the artists themselves from putting out inferior product. But these days, man, because of social media,
1: everything's good. I agree with you on that one. Uh, not everything is good. And unfortunately, there are going to be situations where you can't pair up or even surpass what you did previously. But you just got to do your best in doing it. Um, you could do it. You know, it's it's just, uh, like you said, hard work. You just got to put in the hard work and fight for it. This is the Freestyle Club. Boom, boom, boom.
0: I'm sure that you've broken four or five Toyota Corollas and Punta Ocho's (laughs) traveling in the last 30 years because I know for a fact that you have driven nine to 15 hours to get to shows and you come with a smile. You may have come for a ham sandwich. You may have come for gas money. You may have not gotten anything at all. But that day you earn one or two people to support you and people have forgotten the art, especially people from the menagerie volume number three. The Menagerie and the compilations in A Class of Our Own opened some doors. As a matter of fact, they opened some doors to FM radio station in Connecticut. Not only the Connecticut radio station played songs from The Menagerie mm-hmm. or, or In A Class of Our Own Part 2, but they also played songs from Part 3. But you giveth and you take it away. So once once The Menagerie was out at the beginning of the year, it had opened up some doors for people to be promoted on commercial radio. But it was one of your own no pun intended, that actually closed those doors for you as well. So how did you feel about that?
1: I felt upset. I never approached them. And the reason I never approached it is because I wasn't going to go nowhere. You know, it was going to be a an argument or, you know, a no longer talking um, friendship that we had for years out the window. So I left it alone. I continued to push it my way and continue to request and apologize Unfortunately, on the face, on the label, I have to do my job, which is apologize and try to fix what's broken. Um, Whether those doors ever open again or will they remain closed, that's a whole different other story. But I did my job. And that opportunity would never happen again. And the reason it would never happen again is because that person closed the doors for himself.
0: Yeah, and And I, I will say that not only did they close the door for the Connecticut station, but they also closed the doors for my my radio show uh, because not only did they cost you there, but they cost you here as well, and that's unfortunate. I don't mean the entire compilation; I mean that individual artist. Uh, for someone to hit me up and say, you know, here's a link to my new song, purchase it, play it, put it on your countdown, then book me and pay me to go perform for you. Those mm-hmm. are the steps. I'm like fuck. And
1: you, the movie. It's a tough situation because I know the individual for many years. It's not from now. He's actually used to be a part of my group back in the days. I just never thought that would ever happen. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it went that direction. Because I wasn't present. I wasn't... I was told after the fact.
0: Is the dangers of having a two-CD compilation and people trying to get attention. But, you know, once some of the people that are on your compilation don't get any attention, then that's this is how they do it. Either they complain, they betray the, the label, or betray the, the artists that are on the label with them, or they just try to take all the attention for themselves. So we eat our own.
1: And the problem with that is that they were told... And when I say they, I'm talking about every single one of the artists on all three compilations were told, do not go against anything that you feel weird about or feel disgusted about or feel all disrespected about. You let me know, I will handle the situation. Always remember, it doesn't only affect you, it affects all of us. Because we are all on that compilation. This is not a you, it's a We. And when this situation happened, it really baffled me because, you know, again, you're not the only one on the compilation. There's a whole bunch of other artists in the compilation who are trying to get the same opportunity. And if they don't play you, there's all the freaking radio stations playing music. You know, there's not one DJ in the world. There's a bunch of DJs around the world. And that's the opportunity you need to get. And what hurts me the most out of this whole thing is that all these artists don't realize how big they were around the world because I was able to sell freestyle in Istanbul. I was able to sell freestyle in Spain, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Colombia, Germany, France, the UK, Australia. I'm selling CDs over there. So let the music play. Let let the DJs do what they, their job is, which is play music. Let them pick the songs they want to play. Because at the end of the day, it's their choice. When you go to a club, you don't tell them, I want you to play my song. They'll play whatever they have to play to keep the dance the dance floor going. That's the DJ's job. You just hope that they play your stuff. That's basically it.
2: I think you, uh, you raised a good point. It's, it's a point that we talked about here on the podcast before. Let the DJs do their thing and, you know, if if one station is not playing it it's not a reason for you to start picketing and riding and and acting a fool just create a buzz with the other stations so then eventually that one station that you're trying to get on is going to have to notice you i mean uh I, I i said this before i heard a bunch of griping from artists saying cpr won't play my stuff so and i'm gonna tell them listen cpr is not the only station in town yeah he might be one of the bigger ones when it comes to freestyle, right? But there's other little stations that you can go promote your thing, and and look, I can't, you know, I can't say this enough. I said this before. Cold Heart uh, Hotel, or I can't remember the name from Brayski's. It was oh, um, Hotel.
0: it was Sadi Mancho's Cold Heart Hotel.
2: That song didn't even start off as a freestyle song. It wasn't intended to even reach anywhere near freestyle, but enough people heard it and loved it and requested it that CPR had no choice but to give it the attention it deserved.
0: And it actually actually made it to number one. Alex Nation is also one of those artists.
2: Also, Nick Cologne made it to your countdown after how many years of trying? Well, I don't know that he was tried directly, but he had some good songs that wouldn't, didn't make it to number one or didn't even make it on your countdown. But that didn't discourage him.
0: There's a couple songs right now that people are playing the hell out of that I'm ignoring, and if they make enough buzz, then I have to not ignore them. I just got the 18 people compilation from, from Europe, and I found that there was only one song that I can play from that compilation. Even though people have jumped all over and said that is great but that is one of the best uh things since sliced bread i tend to disagree highly but um you know people are playing the hell of robert Barco, and I, i'm ignoring it because it has a planet rock beat and it samples poorly the stevie b vibe and i just think it's cheesy and corny hopefully you know if people really like the song and and they keep pushing it at other places then I'll have no choice but to, you know, give it a spin. I'm personally hoping
2: that he does a remix. And I and I think, I don't know if it was Tenacity or it was him that stated that remixes are coming.
0: My girl.
2: that planet rock beat i mean how do you how do you have a compilation and and 15 out of the 17 or or 16 whatever it is it's, it's a big number out of the 17 the majority of the songs have that that planet rock sequence in it and that and, and it just kills me it, alex alex is, our, age, alex
0: is in that compilation and he's using the planet <laughs> rock beat too right alex baby
1: So let me, let me, let me clear something up quick. I knew knew this shit was coming. I could have chose, I could have chose not to participate on this because I am like you guys. I'm not a Planet Rock fan. I haven't been a Planet Rock fan since Little Susie. That's how far back. Because it was redundant. It was repeated. It was just the same thing with the Karina beat, Temptations, that once she came out with it, everybody was using the same exact beat because Johnny O did it too. Um, Melendez there was a few other people, and you know it's like the 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 thing is it's a catchy beat now, keep in mind around the world, that sound is still relevant. that's the biggest freaking thing. it's still relevant people to this day still look for it, not saying that they don't want to move forward, they just prefer it, and that's where. I'm guessing that this compilation came to be. Now, the song that I did was presented to me and in a whole different way. Out of all the songs that was given to me is the only one that that really caught my feeling to it. And I wanted to participate because it was out of the country, first of all. Second of all, I wanted to expand myself to other people that never heard of me through somebody else. Now I dealt with Tanasi years ago. He's the one that presented Nunca on the ZYX um compilation. I think it was volume 36. And it was picked up and they played they put it on the compilation. That's you know, I met Tanasi there. We became good friends. He came down and he purchased in a class of our own volume two and three. Uh, actually all three of them. And we were at Artie's house, took pictures and whatnot. And he asked me right then and there if I wanted to be part of a project that he wanted to put together. And I said, you know what, fuck it, I'll, you know, I'll, let's do this. I'll get in it. When they presented me the song, I was I thought that I was able to do certain changes. I actually had to change the pitch to the song because it was too low for me for me to sing. Once the song came out. Was I happy with it? I was okay with it. I wasn't totally happy because I would rather not have the Planet Rock beat. But it was his thing. I can't change his way of doing things or his feelings or how he envisioned his project. Because I have my own project. So I knew what I needed to do for me. So with that being said, right now, there was a few DJs that hit him up and asking if I was going to put out remixes for for my song. So now he wants to put out remixes and I'm said I was down for it. So we are going to put a remix to um, like you used to. But that's how that song came to be. It was presented to me already done, lyrically done. All I was doing was lending my vocal.
2: The compilation is Freestyle Music Volume One. It comes out on CD and it's on a double vinyl. It's 17 songs honestly i like the production of the cover it's two different vinyls so there's a lot of detail in it if you look at it i I love the way they did the inside of it with all the artist pictures and i mean you're talking about a a double vinyl and it's only 35 dollars us 35 us bucks around that because of the exchange rate i can't get it because it has the planet rock beat but i i want to get it just because
0: of the way they presented the packaging. I think the double vinyl packaging is amazing. I think the artists featured on the compilation are amazing. You got Debbie Cole on there. You have Johnny O. You have Robert Barco from Count to 20. You have a lot of talented artists in there. And out of the songs, out of everything that I heard, because I got the compilation by, you know, giving someone else money to buy it for me because I didn't want to have them have my address. But here's the thing. I have never been angrier than when I listen to this compilation. And as many of you out there know, I will drive around and I will listen to something over and over again, even if I don't like it, to see if there's something that I can find that's redeemable. With that being said, I have never been angrier listening to a project than when I listened to this one. It had so much potential to be great. And not only is a Planet Rock beat apparent on the compilation, but there's a lot of songs on there that are off sync, that are not mixed properly. There's a lot of vocals that are off. I mean, there's a lot of bad things on this compilation. And here's the kicker out of the whole entire thing. The best song on the entire fucking compilation is Louis Marte. Girl, every time you're near me,
2: I can feel it. Every time we touch, I know.
0: I've given this guy a hard time and i have said a lot of things to him that are not friendly because we've been back and forth for many years he's the best song at the entire compilation he's the only one for me that actually took the time to write something that wasn't typical but was good enough to put in this compilation where it outshined everything that was on there and when you tell me that you know he's responsible for compilations from germany zyx and things like that yeah it opened up a lot of doors for people but where is zyx now where are all these companies now they're all long and gone because why because all they ever did for 30 something compilations was put out planet rock put out inferior singing artists and and i just think that this is the rebirth of that and i don't want that my final thought i could understand that people want to put their name overseas we also have to teach them that there are new sounds that they can listen to we also have to teach them that there are new ways to listen to freestyle new sounds to freestyle modern sounds to freestyle we got to bring them to the future we can't use the excuse that oh you know they like they like to be stuck in 1992. it's 2018. internationally let's show them that this music still got what it takes and that production matters. Lyrics matter. I've heard so many cookie cutter, lying, dying, and crying songs on this 18-track compilation that I'm like, who wrote this stuff? Quality is important to me. And I put my comments online and people are like, I'm hating. I'm like, man, we have to be more than just a community of people that when somebody doesn't like something, oh, you're a hater. No, I can give you examples of why. I can give you reasons why. I could write a dissertation on why this is not a good compilation. It has nothing to do with hate. I hate the
1: final product hate is used so much and, and and it is really in the wrong context if you hate something it's because it's good you know what I'm saying that's as far as hate goes your opinion is your opinion how you feel about it how you see it how you hear it especially if you have an explanation like you just said you have explanations it's your choice it's your title to say how you feel nobody has the right to, to tell you what well, you're wrong because it's just vice versa It's like you telling them they're wrong how they feel. Now, going into an angry mob style is crazy. You know, there's no need for that. We have to think bigger. I do agree with you. We need to teach our fourth and third world countries that freestyle is more than just a Planet Rock beat. Um, We are that. I have proven that we are more than that like i already mentioned all the countries that i reach with my own compilation we go back to who puts things together everybody is who is in charge of their own label and in charge of their own project are going to vision it and do it their way whether we accept it or not everybody has their own way of doing things and it was his choice i originally since i didn't hear anybody because when it was presented to me it was just me. I didn't know how many people were going to be on there. I didn't know who was going to be on there. As, as a matter of fact, I didn't know that Luis Marte was a part of it until I saw the commercial. And, you know, like, it was just presented. This is the songs. You know, here's five songs. Pick which one. I didn't like out of the five. I didn't like any of them. Then he sent me three more, and I ended up with the one I had. I didn't know that they were all going to be Planet Rock. I just started, mine ended up being a planet rock beat. And again, I participated because I wanted to be a part of a different view of of music. It was an opportunity, and I take opportunities when they're given to me because I respect it, because they looked at me and my direction and thought of what I can actually do. Whether it goes good or bad, that's a whole different other story
2: we confirmed with you there are going to be some remixes so I, I am looking forward to that because i think there are a couple of songs on that compilation that could sound better with a different sound than the planet rock beat and i'm hoping that those songs do get remade so we're just gonna to have to wait and see and
0: all you got to do is tune in next week same stone cold time same stone cold channel